0: Welcome to the Academic Citizen, a podcast about critical issues in higher education. The podcast is sponsored by ASAU, the Academic Staff Association based at West University, Johannesburg, South Africa. Our podcast engages with issues about university life relevant to students and staff looking in South Africa, Africa and beyond. In each episode, we speak to a guest who has special insight or expertise in a particular area. My name is Nosipung ngo And I'm Kolega Changi. And Maria and your host. hosts.
1: I'm Professor Leslie Cowling in the journalism program at WITS. I think that my awareness of academic bullying is often a kind of undercover, gendered bullying in which women are kind of expected to do a lot of support work and a lot of what um, has been called housekeeping in their departments and are pushed into that position often at the expense of their own research which would bring them you know promotion and that kind of thing and I think sometimes the bullying can be quite subtle it can be characterizing the person as difficult or unsympathetic so I would say that's my awareness of what goes on. I've also heard Asawu talk about the fact that academic staff have come to them to complain about bullying.
0: I am sitting with Dr. Colette Gordon, who is a lecturer in the School of Language, Literature and Media at WITS. She has lectured at multiple universities like UCT, Goldsmith College, uh, Royal Holloway, and Queen Mary University of London, where she received her PhD. She is passionate about the capacity of South African universities to learn and transform, and she's also concerned about the corporatization of higher education and the marginalisation of students and academic, and just the general ongoing challenges of transforming South African universities. Welcome to this week's episode of The Academic Citizen. Thank
2: you, I feel welcome.
0: Do you mind just telling us a bit more about yourself? The reason I'd be talking
2: today is um, that in 2014-2015, I designed and helped administer a survey for Asawi, which is the academics union at FITS, looking into bullying. And I became interested in the literature on bullying while I was doing that and the problems of conducting that kind of survey and handling bullying as an institutional problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what exactly constitutes bullying, just bullying in general? What does it look like? I think
2: everyone thinks they know what bullying looks like. There's a kind of a, a popular culture image, which is like the big kid in the school, you know, the schoolyard bully, and the little kid that gets picked on, Mm -hmm. this kind of archetypal scene. Um, And there are some problems with that idea which I'd like to get into. Bullying is difficult because it's not well-defined in law. Things like discrimination and harassment are well-defined and bullying is still quite a gray area. But actually, the best definition, I think, is that bullying constitutes repeated intentional behavior that has the intent to diminish the target. Hmm. So what I'm really, the stress there is that bullying is repeated behavior. Someone can feel harassed, right? Can feel uncomfortable, but bullying involves an intention to make that person feel harassed and repeated harassment, Mm -hmm. repeated discrimination, repeated um, destructive behavior, undermining behavior. The the point about bullying is that it's repeated Mm -hmm. and that it has this intention. So there's kind of a focus on one person Comes the focus of that, that bully, and then they're trying to, to kind
0: of keep pushing on that person. Mm-hmm. And you speak about intention, the intention to harm. So what happens in a situation where someone thinks that they did not, they did not actually have that intention to harm someone? Right. Um,
2: it's difficult, and I think there's there's interesting scholarship from psychologists on this. Um, one problem is that we tend to focus a lot on, we almost think that bullying is a personal issue. So there are two people in the case, So we think about the psychology of the bully and the psychology of the victim, or I'd say the target. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where our focus is. And what we don't think about is the institutional context. Mm. So the other thing to get about bullying is, in a normal situation, if you're uncomfortable, what do you do? You leave. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get up and go. Mm-hmm. The point with institutions is people in institutions can't leave. So mm-hmm. if you're in a school and you're a school kid, you can't leave the school. Mm-hmm. If you're in a prison, you can't leave. If you're in a university, you can get a job somewhere else or you can or you can quit. Mm-hmm. But the costs to leaving are very high. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a third player in this, which is the institution.
0: You talk about the perpetrator and... The victim as two dichotomous roles, and I'm wondering if there is a possibility for one to be a victim and a perpetrator at the same time. Is that it something is that is possible? It yeah. comes up a lot, right? How mm-hmm. do
2: you essentially, when two people point fingers at each other, one person says, That person bullied me, and it's being and the other person says, no, they started it. How do you know? How do you Mm -hmm. adjudicate? Mm -hmm. And what I'd say to that is, there's a lovely article by a a sociologist called David Graeber, which is about the problem of saying, it doesn't matter who started it. And in bullying, it does matter who Mm -hmm. started it. Mm -hmm. Because the person who starts it knows that usually that they are in a position where they have less to lose. Mm -hmm. So when people try to deal with the situation of the bully and the victim, they're going to say, Shame on both of you. Stop it. And the cost to the person who's being bullied is going to be greater. So the way that it works, the way that it works and allows a kind of a cycle, right? Because it's, it's about creating a cycle, about creating a space where someone can be harmed, where it's okay to harm someone, where you normalize that behavior. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you push someone and when they respond, you use that against them to say that they are the problem. Mm -hmm. So something like, I've heard this from academics, they say, you know, I'm in a a hostile work environment, and when I complain about the hostile work environment, I'm told I'm creating a hostile work environment. Do you see how Mm -hmm. that works as a trap? And um, I know we're jumping ahead quite a lot, but you can see how this is linked to discrimination. Because, and sociologists have written about this, you're creating a space where it's okay to discriminate against that person partly because they'll have been weakened by the bullying so it starts out and the person is fine and they're good but then they lose their temper or they lose sleep and they can't focus as well so they're becoming objectively less good at their job and then that justifies that behavior a more extreme example is something like when you hear people referring to angry black men Mm -hmm. or shrill women Mm -hmm. If you think about it, the logic behind that is you treat someone unequally and then when they respond, that becomes justification for the action in the first place. Because that woman's just shrill, just mm-hmm. a shrill feminist. Mm-hmm. That black man is just angry. Well, angry for a reason right but it's about masking that so yeah that's that's the main thing is we think of bullies as just natural there are just people who bully and there's nothing you can do about that and everyone grows up and they learn to deal with it Mm -hmm. but the problem is actually bullies thrive in institutions and they thrive in institutions because they're really good at using the rules of the institution to get what they want. All kinds of anti-bullying measures that you can put in actually get used by bullies Mm -hmm. in order to say that person is behaving badly according to your code of conduct, whatever. So they're trying to
0: trip people up Mm -hmm. in that system. That is a mouthful. Looking specifically at the academic space Mm -hmm. and how that space actually creates an environment where bullying can thrive. I mean, can you speak to that? What does that look like? I mean, you keep speaking about institutional bullying. Mm -hmm. What does that actually mean? Because normally we hear about, you know, bullying as personal as Mm -hmm. something that happens in the playground, uh, as something that happens in relationships, maybe personal relationships. But what does it look like? Say, for instance, in an academic um, setting. So here's a fun fact: the relationship between
2: schoolyard bullying and, say, academic bullying. Um, a lot of the a lot of the scholarship on bullying comes from people trying to deal with the problem in schools, where it's a serious problem.
0: What about the academic space makes it? Um, conducive for bullying to thrive. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I think um, there are there are statistics that suggest that bullying is more of a problem in academia than in other workspaces. Now, there are reasons that might be happening. People in academia might be more aware of the problem. Mm -hmm. Some of them probably study it, right? So there might be greater awareness, greater reporting. Um, I think that academia is a really rewarding career, Mm -hmm. profession, but the kind of flip side to that is it's full of egos. It's very ego, status, face-driven, it's all about how you are seen by others. Mm -hmm. Um, There are fewer kind of concrete markers of value, and the opinion of your peers means a lot. And I think it does tend to attract people with large egos, and then those egos fight it out in that kind of ego marketplace. So that would be my guess about why it's worse in academia. And I think there's also a system in academia uh, that is very hierarchical, right? So mm-hmm. you start as a student, then you maybe become a grad student, and you do a PhD, and you've got a supervisor, and then you break through, and then you're kind of junior, and you're a senior, and you're moving up this ladder. And officially what we say is everyone's equal in this space. So actually you can go into a seminar and ask a question and be considered an equal of someone who's very high status mm-hmm. in their organization. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of fluidity about rank, but mm-hmm. rank is also really important.
0: And bullying is often used to enforce rank. And rank often has to do with power. So what role does power play in, 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 in bullying?
2: Uh, it's everything. It's everything. Um,
0: so say, for instance, with the whole, say, student supervisor kind of scenario, for instance, I mean, what are the dynamics there? I mean, are you really equals? Even though, you know, it is encouraged, like you need to be intellectually rigorous and whatnot, and, and we can engage each other on, on, on ideas, but really, who has the power in that situation and what, what actually, what does that mean? for you to have power in the situation. I think one
2: way to think about this is you think of bullying as as pathological, Mm -hmm. right? Something's gone horribly wrong when someone bullies. But actually, whenever there's uncertainty about roles, exactly as you describe, right? You're kind of friends, you're kind of equals, but you're also not. When people want to assert status, they can use bullying a lot. Bullying is also about control, and it's often normative. So it's about forcing people to accept their position. Hmm. Um, bullying creates an environment in which someone is encouraged to accept their kind of lowest stakes position. I think, so this is coming back to what you asked earlier, academics often also feel guilty. They're very guilty people. I'm sure you know this, this is like Mm. the thing of I should be writing all the time. Yes. I'm never doing quite enough. So I think it's very easy for academics, because they carry so much guilt, to not even realize that they're being bullied and think that that's just the cost of the profession. Oh, you're in this kind of department. You know those kind of departments. There are always difficult characters in those Mm -hmm. and you just have to deal with it and no one holds the difficult characters to account. So that's that's the biggest problem. I actually don't think that the solution to bullying is lies with either victims taking action mm-hmm. or trying to change bullies and their behavior. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's, it's about how much support is given to bullying. And that really just comes down to treating people equally, but really treating them equally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, The problem with the system is that, I guess, there are people who are already in the system and people coming into the system, Mm -hmm. and the people coming into the system have a lot more to lose than the people who are already there. Mm -hmm. There are all these structures in place, something like tenure, right, that make you safer the further that you are in the system. Mm -hmm. And what often happens in systems like that is that the people who are already inside it don't want new people to come in, especially if those people are different
0: from them. And so it's about maintaining the status quo for mm-hmm. your own benefit. So you can have all kinds of, I mean, your, your example is actually a good one, how things can become toxic
2: between a supervisor and a supervisee. Mm-hmm. Um, not because the supervisee isn't doing well, but because she is doing well, mm-hmm. or he is doing well. And so, there's a kind of a, 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 a jealousy thing and a thing about wanting to be, I guess people wanting to be given kind of rank and status that is not there and then pushing other people down to feel to feel better about themselves. It's
0: the issue of gatekeeping right. and power. So those who are in power being very yeah. comfortable in holding on and maintaining the status quo and not wanting to let go because really to transform is to re- relinquish, relinquish all power. And so what does that mean when the bully is the professor mm-hmm. who is all knowing, um, who is respected in the field and you know, black women are trying to come in, black men are trying to come in people who are queer are trying to come in and there is this professor or professors mm-hmm. that look a particular way, that want to maintain that power, I mean can you speak mm-hmm. to that? Yeah, I think academia is under, well
2: transformation first of all globally, mm-hmm academics are under a lot of pressure and the truth is they have to perform more now than they did in the past so now you can't get a job without a phd that was very easy um, in an earlier time there are greater pressures on time there are greater pressures to publish right publish or perish all of that stuff has become a lot more intense which means that a lot of younger academics are actually better qualified than their bosses were at the same point right? Do you see how this, Mm -hmm. um, so you have people who are already in a system who have a lot of power to make things difficult for people who are actually doing often better than they were doing at that point. And we talk talk a lot about transformation in South Africa at universities and we don't talk about seniority. Mm. I find this really interesting. Mm -hmm. We never talk about the fact that The system, which is not a bad system of tenure, of promotion, etc., means that people are in very entrenched power positions who would have, in most cases, got those positions under apartheid when the bar was actually very low for entry. It's interesting when people talk about diminishing standards now, right? Because if you think about it, how high were the standards to become a lecturer in Mm -hmm. the early 80s? Mm-hmm. there was very little competition mm-hmm. a closed market
0: so what you're talking about is this idea of mediocrity in the academic space and how that continues to thrive in the name of seniority
2: yeah and then um, something else coming back to that, that kind of playground mm-hmm. analogy there's been some interesting research um, by a woman I think it's CJ Pascoe she's a American sociologist who looks, among other things, at young people and sexuality on how bullying works uh, psychologically and what she finds is that bullies are often quite well liked. There's a a cool bully, actually, in a situation where children are bullying each other. What is happening is not that that's deviant behaviour, it's actually highly normative so there's a reason that the jocks are bullying the little kids, and it's because they're asserting social norms about dominance, about who should be in charge and who shouldn't be in charge. So bullying is, is basically about teaching people where they fit in a social hierarchy. Now we assume the kids are just being mean to each other, but where do they learn that stuff? They're actually playing out what they see as societal roles. Mm. There's a moment... Bullies typically are not the kind of cool jock bully until middle school, until that moment where they're going into first year of a different kind of school. Mm -hmm. And at that moment of change and stress, that's when you get this much more virulent bullying with the cool bully and the uncool victims. Mm And what that also implies is that those bullies are being supported by their peers. So bullying is actually a kind of a school in itself that tells certain people, this is where society says you're supposed to be, and the bully is essentially enforcing social roles. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And that, you can see, absolutely carries over into into grown-up settings. The same thing happens. So when people are under stress, they tend to bully more because they are feeling stressed mm-hmm. and threatened. The other thing that I'd say about transformation and South Africa is there's a role of power, but you've also got to consider the role of shame.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is why I talked about the kind of charismatic bully, because there's an idea, you even find this in, in the OED when they define, define bullying, that bullies are, people, are basically not loved enough. They're not given enough love. Bullies are loved plenty, if you look at the research. But... and they're often narcissistic, and they have extremely high self-esteem. But they're very oriented towards shame. And shame is um, is a complex social phenomenon. So what happens in bullying is that the victim is being made to feel shame and be humiliated in front of an audience. It's very important that there must be an audience. Bullies don't actually... I mean, yes, you can bully someone for their lunch money, every day. But for the bully, it's not about that. It's about being known as the bully and having it known that other people are your victim Mm -hmm. and having everyone silently agree to that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The fact that no one intervenes essentially tells you that what you're doing is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that in South Africa right now, we've also got to think a lot about shame and the way that, that people who might
0: feel shame. Will push it on to other people by bullying them. And this culture of shaming, the shaming of victims, um, how does it play out in terms of? I keep thinking about, you know, if we talk about transformation, then especially in South Africa, mm-hmm. in so-called post-apartheid South Africa, where there is such um, there are such great discrepancies. Say, for instance, in the academic space mm-hmm. in terms of representation. Um, you know, there's just not enough uh, black women um, academics. There's not enough um, queer academics. There's not enough There's not enough diversity, in other words. And I'm just wondering um, how the issue of shame actually plays itself out in such scenarios where, you know, because you are a so-called minority, so for instance, like in a country... In a country that is majority black, you know, you are you are occupying positions. People that look like you are mm. on the margins, even though you know that your world is actually occupied by mostly black people, right? Occupied by mostly black people, but as you go into the academic space, the space does not reflect what you see every day. Yeah. So when people that look like myself speak out, you know, speak out about the lack of visibility of voices such as you know black women's voices say for instance there's a lot of shaming you are the angry black woman yeah. you are that feminist that is a problem um you know just just focus focus on teaching focus on the curriculum um as though the curriculum is is somewhat um, kind of removed from everyday life just do your job yeah as just just do your job as if it's totally equal for you to do your job exactly exactly and you feeling somewhat you know alienated from this academic space and you being told that no we want in the name of transformation because there's a lot of buzzwords that are used yeah. in these academic spaces so we want to transform we want to see change so we hire black women that 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 are um, outspoken that are feminists mm-hmm. that are You know, it's like window dressing. You know, we we hire this person who is outspoken, who is, you know, politically aware, who is critically thinking because it looks good. But when actually she starts challenging the very systems that have hired her, then it's a problem. So critique your stuff on paper. Mm -hmm. Write for a journal and talk about racism, you know, institutional racism. Write about it instead of actually challenging it in real life. So can you talk about that and the shaming?
2: (laughs) So... Do you mind if we take you as an example? You've you've come
0: to bits fairly
2: recently, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a requirement that you are going to need to uh, go through something called probation, Mm -hmm. where you prove, among other things, that you are a good fit Mm -hmm. for the institution. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds perfectly reasonable. And that's great, because people should get along. But what if the institution isn't good? What if it's toxic?
1: Mm -hmm. and you don't
2: fit into that. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The problem is you have to prove collegiality, fit, etc. And people who are already inside the system don't have such an onus on them to prove that they're getting on with you. Mm -hmm. No one's coming in and doing probation of saying are you getting on with Coleca, are you being supportive, right? Mm -hmm. That's all on you. So you can see how if you want to transform an institution And then you bring in people who are different into maybe an old boys club, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to, yes, they've got access, but it's still an old boys club. And it's still hostile. And there is a correlation between, it's not a predictor, but there's a correlation between bullying and difference. Mm -hmm. So in a majority male environment, women will get bullied. In a majority straight environment, people who are gay will get bullied. the majority white environment people who are black mm. who are not white will get bullied mm-hmm. um, so that's also playing into it but that thing of fit is really interesting because this is where this is where you've also got to think there's all this focus on the bully and that right so there's a, a distinction made i think i think um oh I, i'm not even going to say it because i might be wrong but there's a, an influential Um, scholar in kind of bullying studies who's known for introducing this idea of mobbing. And mobbing is the idea that a person is targeted by a group of people Mm -hmm. who make their working conditions untenable. Mm -hmm. I tend to be a little bit wary of that distinction between bullying and mobbing because I think every mobbing situation starts with one person Mm -hmm. kind of instigating something Mm -hmm. and is then joined by other people it's that thing that i said earlier the bully doesn't just want to bully someone they want to be seen by others and validated in what they're doing they're actually marshalling support Mm -hmm. because they're trying to isolate that person and to get people on their side
0: Mm -hmm. so it's like mobilizing in order for you to oppress
2: Right, right. And then it comes back to the thing that I was talking about, that you, like those those children who are saying, um, who are making fun of kid, you you're gay, right? Mm-hmm. They are, they're socializing that child to accept unfair, unequal treatment, mm-hmm. to accept their position in a rank. Mm-hmm. And the same thing can happen in university. And the problem is that... Bullying can be used to prove that the people inside a system are right because, look, that woman fell apart, you know? She joined the department and she just didn't make it, just didn't make the grade, um, didn't make her publications, etc. I think there's a reason that, there are many reasons that people don't report bullying. Um, One is that the methods for dealing with it are not. Are not kind to victims because they tend to involve creating a scene where both people have to say that they were wrong. Mm. Right? Which is, again, feeding into this thing where someone who was just minding their own business trying to do their job. Um, can I swear on the podcast? Probably not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, I would allow it. <laughs> okay.
2: So when, when shit gets thrown around, who's it gonna stick to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's that thing that people inside the system know that it's not a great loss for them if because they can say that the problem is the newcomer, is the person who's different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the person who's in that lower power position. That essentially you're creating a situation where that person's response is the problem. Mm. And that's where all the focus will go. Mm, mm. The other reason I think people don't want to take on that label is that it makes you sound weak, right? Mm. If you go to your head of department or head of school or BC and say, I'm being bullied, that suggests to many people that you must be weak. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. Um, And in fact, the targets of bullies tend not to be weak. They tend to be often um, well-liked by students, really motivated, ambitious. You can see how this is all fitting in, right? They're not knowing their place. Someone who wants to progress quickly, someone who wants to be promoted, is also going to be working harder because they want to get further, they want to advance. And that's exactly what draws the attention of bullies, this idea of who do you think you are? Mm. You need to stay where you are. We as the gatekeepers will tell you when it's when it's your time. But you sure. don't get to rush you don't get to
0: rush forward. And again, going back to this issue of transformation and how you can never have too many, say for instance, you can never have too many you can't have too much difference, just enough for us to be able to handle. So as we gatekeep, we don't want too many outspoken black women in this space so we can only handle one or two but don't disrupt don't disrupt Mm -hmm. the norm so
2: this is maybe maybe getting slightly off topic Mm -hmm. but it's such a good point that that you brought up about people being brought into an institution as window dressing Mm -hmm. and the problem is so say you're really passionate about something in teaching and learning Mm -hmm. or transformation and you you really want to see that thing implemented. When you try to do that, you're completely blocked. And at the same time, your managers can be saying to people, oh, but we have this wonderful, we have this wonderful person here who does this excellent work on X, Y, or Z. You're not actually allowed to do the work. And the fact that you're there becomes the reason why the work doesn't have to happen. Um, So it's almost like you wish you could fire yourself so the work can
0: actually get done. So does that not qualify as institutional bullying? a way the gatekeeping having gatekeepers i mean filtering who comes in um who comes in when when do they speak for how long um how fast change happens yeah and 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 all that i mean is that not does that not qualify as 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 institutional bullying it's it's a really good question
2: whenever when I say institutional bullying, mm-hmm. I tend to mean the context of the institution. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think a lot of academics will say, we feel bullied. our I'm just talking about anyone in the institution mm-hmm. right now, right? Um, our workloads are insane. We have mm-hmm. too many students. We have uh, too many emails. You know, I feel bullied by management, bullied mm-hmm. by performance management measures, all of these things. Is that bullying? What I'd say is that... I think institutions tend to allow bullies to do their dirty work for them. So often a situation will happen where it starts on an interpersonal level with some little tension. Someone wanting to put someone in their place and that person won't stay in their place and then because they're standing up this carries on. Mm-hmm, right. The more people who act as though that's normal and acceptable in order to diffuse the situation the more that actually spreads through the institution. So Mm -hmm. what you'll find is that if someone um, reports bullying, what happens? Well, it's very seldom that the bully gets... that there's any real repercussions Mm -hmm. for the bully. Mm -hmm. But there can be massive repercussions for that person. And it's much easier for the institution to wait for the problem to go away. How does it go away? Maybe that person quits maybe they just go really quiet and withdraw. Actually dealing with the bullying would, I think, be... Not that it's it's hard for institutions, but I think sometimes institutions are... Hmm, how can I put this? They let it slide, because it does keep people in their place. Mm, mm. There's a kind of a, a, a utility for it in institutional spaces. Um, it's the same way that it's difficult for people in an institution, something like academia, to lay complaints anyway if it's about a supervisor, because that person's supervisor would much Mm -hmm. rather say that the problem is the employee than the person that they are directly supervising. So if you've got a head of department, Mm -hmm. head of school, head of faculty, Mm -hmm. and there's a problem with the head of department, if the head of school, if there's something wrong with the head of department, that's on the head of school. Mm -hmm. So they're going to say, there's no problem with that person, and then the person above them might say, "But there's no problem with my head of school. Mm-hmm. The problem must be this pesky person. Mm-hmm. Why are they attracting so much trouble? Mm-hmm. Why are they making all this trouble? Why are they creating drama?" Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to think about bullies, I found, which I think is quite cute, is it's something like uh, someone breaking up with their partner in a restaurant mm-hmm. because they quote-unquote don't want to make a scene. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're using that space and the norms of that space to get to get their little dig in, but then that person can't respond because,
0: darling, we're in a restaurant. Don't make a scene. That is so crazy. In your tenure, how many cases were reported and what were the outcomes, if you can still remember? Yeah, um,
2: yeah. I brought some stats. Okay. Um, there was this survey, we sent it out. Look, something to say right from the get-go is surveys tend to attract people who, they're somewhat self-selecting, right? So if you put out a a survey about bullying, people who don't know about it, don't care about it, don't think about it, probably won't answer. People who've been involved will answer. But still, at WITS we had 137 people reporting on that survey being personally bullied. Mm -hmm. Now if you think about that, 137 people in a Remember that bullying is repeated discrimination, harassment, behavior designed to make it difficult for that person to do their job. 137 people. 70% of the people, and there were 254 people responding to this, 70% of those had witnessed bullying. And in most of those cases, those were repeated incidents. So aside from the people, you know, reporting, we've got other people saying that they've been sick, 70% of the people saying they've seen it. More than 80% noticed that the perpetrator was a higher grade than the person being bullied. Maybe that's perception, but I think there's something there. Age was the biggest factor in the difference between perpetrator and victim, followed by race, nationality, parental status, sexual orientation. So there you can see how bullying is linked to discrimination. Mm-hmm. There's that discriminatory element. Um, and this comes down to your question, which is about cases. The reason that we were putting out the survey is that the union had seen an increasing number of people coming forward reported, reporting um, what sounded like bullying because it was repeated harassment, toxic behaviour in the workplace. Of the 37 people who said they'd been bullied, very few had laid a grievance, 12 people out of those 27 had actually laid a grievance. More people had gone this less formal route of mediation, that's 20. And of those 12 people who laid a grievance, only two people had a positive outcome. So 137 people being bullied, two managed to get a positive outcome. So 32 people presumably had had a bad experience of reporting bullying and then having the system say, you're not being bullied. Mm -hmm you're probably the problem or you're both equally the problem Mm -hmm. and you have to shake hands and make up Mm. which feeds entirely into empowering emboldening the bully Mm. that's the real Mm. risk is that people if people go through these it's not even about re-traumatization it's that it actually strengthens the bully and makes them feel more safe doing what they're doing and makes people feel less safe and this is almost the most shocking for me only 5% of respondents to that survey trusted existing mechanisms for handling bullying Mm. at FITS. And actually, if you look at those stats of who laid a grievance, of course, 12 people laid a grievance of 137 who'd been bullied. Two of them had a positive outcome. Um, 63% of people believe that there's a bullying culture at the university Mm -hmm. and 23% that bullying has become a norm at FITS.
0: And I guess this goes into the question around institutional culture and the environment. Yeah. Um. Can you speak to that, like how that actually contributes to bullying or non-bullying in an institution?
2: Well, we've we've covered a lot of it, but mm-hmm. I guess it comes back to the thing of of fit, right? Mm-hmm. Is that people are trying to fit in, but they're also we're all trying to change the world for the better. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to change institutional culture,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the other thing that I would say, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, is that. Look, again, let's not let's not pathologize bullies. Let's not say that bullies are the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is the norms that they are policing mm-hmm. and that people allow them to police, mm-hmm. right? If everyone is silent in a department about a bully, they're essentially saying to the next person who's a target, you just need to wait out your time and then he or she will start bullying someone else. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of an an academic hazing Mm -hmm. that is happening, except that it doesn't really get you anywhere, but it just moves the abuse on to the next person. But if we focus on thinking that bullies are the problem and not the people who allow bullying to happen, which is all of us, right, Mm -hmm. Um, then I think this never gets solved. That's actually, that's actually where the focus needs to be. And you're right about institutional culture, because then you've got to think, well, what are the norms that bullies are able to enforce mm-hmm. through their behavior? Mm-hmm. What are the mechanisms that allow it, allow it? And I actually think the only solution for bullying is nothing to do with bullying. It's not, so you can write, um, you can create a code of conduct. What happens, the bully will study that code of conduct we'll sit up all night studying it, Mm -hmm. we'll bully someone, and then we'll make sure that they get caught according to the rules laid out in them. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they're they're very good at manipulating systems. Other things that don't work, Complaints don't work because they embolden. Mediation doesn't work because it ends up with people having to say that they were wrong. So the, the thing that would actually work is to treat people equally. It actually comes down to discrimination. Everyone should be treated equally. To be equal means
0: relinquishing power. And people don't want to let go of power.
2: I think that's fair.
0: Maintain the status quo.
2: Yeah, and also, and also being prepared to let go of the status quo. Absolutely. And and being prepared to put fairness mm-hmm. above maintaining the peace. Sure. Because sometimes you can have a very toxic peace. Mm. And don't forget that bullying I think also affects students. I think that that in an institution where bullying is happening it's it's bad for, well, in an academic institution, it's obviously bad for academics, but it's also very bad for the people that they teach.
0: This conversation needs to continue. We've come to the end of our show, but I would like to invite you again to speak further to to this notion of bullying, harassment, um, the difference between bullying and mobbing, you said, and you saying that actually they shouldn't be treated as mutually exclusive there's so much to cover there's so much ground to cover because bullying takes on multiple uh, forms but thank you so much for for visiting us no worries. and um, i think this should be a conversation that should be happening nationwide all day every day because we all experience bullying in multiple ways so thank you so much for your insight that's and, really
2: interesting yeah. thank you
0: The Academic Citizen is a podcast sponsored by ASAU, the Academic Staff Association of VETS University. ASAU is the union representing the interests of academic staff at VETS. For more information, visit www.asau.org. The Academic Citizen aims to be a platform for a diversity of views and opinions. We welcome your feedback, comments, and suggestions for future guests and shows. Email us at theacademiccitizen at gmail.com or leave a comment at www.theacademiccitizen.org. Research, scheduling, editing, and production was done by me, Simba you.